welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcasts. It's a decades-long legal saga that hasn't ended yet. Today, the Supreme Court threw out the death sentence of a Mississippi man convicted at his sixth trial for a quadruple murder after the prosecutor repeatedly excluded black people from the jury. But he can be tried again for a seventh time. Joining me is Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter Greg Storp. So, Greg, this involves what's called peremptory challenges to a jury. So lawyers can strike jurors without stating a reason. Explain what happened here. So what happened here is uh, that the uh, this man, Curtis Flowers, was tried six different times for the same uh, crimes, uh, the, the murders from, in 1996, and prosecutors in those six trials, uh, actually the same prosecutor, District Attorney Doug Evans, used peremptory challenges to strike 41 out of 42 prospective black jurors from those uh, jury panels. And the Supreme Court looked at this case and said, you know, if you look at the history of it, um, it's clear that, that he has used race intentionally, and so we're going to throw out uh, his latest conviction. Now, the, the, uh, in the dissent were Justices Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch, and this was a case where Justice Thomas actually asked a question. He, he, he did, yes. This was, uh, uh, you know, Justice Thomas uh, almost never asked questions. In this one, at the very end of the argument, he asked whether, he asked Mr. Flowers' attorney whether his lawyer at trial had exercised uh, peremptory, peremptory challenges as well to strike white jurors from the panel. Now, the Supreme Court has, has said that the problem uh, is not that defendants are using peremptory challenges in a discriminatory manner. The thing we're worried about here is prosecutors doing that, because that would mean a criminal defendant may not be getting a fair trial. Um, this came up uh, in his uh, Justice Thomas's d- dissent uh, to, to a small degree. Um, uh, his, his a very strongly worded dissent um, in which he ended by saying that um, the court's opinion might boost its self-esteem, but it needlessly prolongs the suffering of the four victims' families. Yeah, he said the only redeeming quality of the opinion was that Mississippi can prosecute flowers again, which it can, and uh, we'll wait to find out whether or not it will do so. Now, in another case, in a five to four decision along ideological lines, the court overturned a more than 30 year old precedent and made it easier for landowners to sue for compensation when a government regulation reduces the value of their property. What happened here? So th- this has to do with the Constitution's takings clause, which says that um, the government can't take your property without giving you just compensation. Um, and the Supreme Court in the past had said, um, if you're trying to, to, to vindicate your rights under that, you first have to deal with the state court system. And, and sometimes a property owner thinks that he or she doesn't get as good of a shake in the state court system. 
this was a case involving a woman who owns some rural property in Pennsylvania. There's a local ordinance that, um, and her property uh, apparently has a very old cemetery on it, and there's a local ordinance that uh, now says that she has to provide open access to that for people who want to visit the, the cemetery. And the question for the court was, did she have to go through the state court system to attempt to, to, to get compensation for what she said is a decrease in the value of her property, or can she go straight to, to federal court in the Supreme Court, throwing out a precedent, said she can go straight to, to federal court. Now, Justice Elena Kagan wrote in a sharply worded dissent for the uh, four justices that the decision smashes a hundred year, excuse me, the decision smashes a hundred plus years of legal rulings to smithereens. Why were the liberal justices lined up in the minority in this case? Well, so <laughs> there are several things going on here. Uh, First, these claims, these takings claims on you know, seeking just compensation are, are a type that conservatives have traditionally been more sympathetic towards. Um, but the, the liberals on the court, Supreme Court these days are clearly quite worried about where things are headed. Uh, the court uh, several weeks ago overturned a precedent involving sovereign immunity. That was the one that left Justice Stephen Breyer um, saying today's decision can only cause one to wonder which cases the court will overrule next. And Justice Kagan, in her dissent today, um, invoked that statement and said, well, that didn't take long. Now one may wonder yet again. So the liberals are worried that the conservative bloc on the court is going to move very quickly ahead to overturn precedent, potentially even getting into uh, the, the precedents involving abortion. And yet during uh, Supreme Court confirmation hearings, the one refrain that you always hear is, I am going to respect precedent. It, it, it was. It was something that, that Brett Kavanaugh talked an awful lot about. Uh, there is one more case uh, that the court's going to be deciding next week involving an important precedent. Um, so far, Justice Kavanaugh hasn't written anything separately to, to really spell out his views about how, what he thinks about uh, precedent in, in a Supreme Court opinion, and maybe we'll get it then. One more week, as you say. Now, also, the court decided to hear a case that could upend the work of the oversight board that's tasked with pulling Puerto Rico out of its bankruptcy. Yes, this is something that happened yesterday. Um, this is a case where actually both sides wanted the court to take it and decide it fairly quickly. Uh, so the court's going to hear it in, in October. What this is about, this is a board that is basically um, doing all the work of, of, of trying to manage the bankruptcy proceedings in Puerto Rico, uh, get, get the island back on sound financial uh, footing. And the members of the board were appointed uh, under provisions in a statute Congress passed uh, a couple years ago where uh, President Obama picked the members for this board off a list submitted by lawmakers. And uh, bondholders who uh, don't like what the board is doing think they're not getting a, a big enough uh, return on, on the bonds that they hold sued to challenge the way the members were appointed. They said it violates the Constitution's Appointments Clause, and in particular, they, they say uh, the Senate has to confirm these people. Uh, a, a lower court uh, said, yes, indeed, this does violate the Appointments Clause, but we're not going to invalidate all the stuff that the, the board has done in the past. 
So now both sides are appealing. The, 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 the board and the Trump administration are asking the court to reinstate, to, to, to say that the members were properly appointed, and the bondholders are asking the Supreme Court to say uh, that we need to wipe out at least some of the, the decisions the board has made in the past. All right. Thanks so much, Craig. Rest up this weekend because next week we have 12 cases, including the census question and partisan gerrymandering. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.